we will be in the book of Luke in chapter 5, starting in verse 1. The Bible says this. As the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear God's word, he was standing by Lake Gennesaret, also known as the Sea of Galilee or the Lake Tiberias. He saw two boats at the edge of the lake. Say he saw two boats. The fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, which belonged to Simon, and he asked him to put out a little from the land. Then he sat down and was teaching the crowds from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Master, Simon replied, we've worked hard all night long and caught nothing. Yeah. You know what he's really saying? Jesus, there's no fish out there. You know, we're, we're expert fishermen. We, we do this for a living. Uh, we know a little bit more about it than you do. And we've been doing this all night. And there was no fish then. And there's not going to be any fish now. And as a matter of fact, there's no fish out in the deep water anyway. Don't you know anything about fishing in the Sea of Galilee? The fish all congregate on the edges of the water, Jesus. And, and so there's not going to be any fish out there. Because they know more about fishing than Jesus does. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever known something? Do you ever know more about something in your life than Jesus does? Yeah, me too. How'd that work out for you? I knew a lot more than Jesus about life for a long time. I ended up in a lot of really bad places. Still now, as the pastor of this church, sometimes I feel like I know more about life than Jesus does. It never turns out well. But Peter does say, yeah, 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 well. But Peter does something awesome here. In spite of the fact of thinking that Jesus is wrong, he surrenders anyway. So he says this, Master, we've worked hard all night and caught nothing, but if you say so, I'll let down the nets. When they did this, they caught a great number of fish, and their nets began to tear. So they signaled their partners from the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon, yeah, yeah, can you imagine what this looked like? Hey, sometimes I swear the disciples are like a comedy troupe, man. Like, have you seen the movies where, like, the boat's sinking as they're going to shore and they're trying to paddle real fast? And the disciples and Jesus is just standing there chilling, like, you know, because he can just walk anyway. Never mind. <laughs> the nets began to tear, and they, well, the, oh, the, the both boats were so full they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, because I'm a sinful man, Lord. For he and all that were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that had been taken. And so were James and John, Zebedee's sons who were Simon's partners. Don't be afraid, Jesus told Simon. From now on, you'll be catching people. And then they brought the boats to the land, left everything. Say left everything. Left everything. And they followed him. Say they followed him. Let's pray. God, today, I pray that we'd be willing to leave it all behind, God. Let us lay down our expectations. Let us lay down our desires. Let us lay down everything that we thought that we needed in life before that we met you and let us leave it all behind. All of our hurts and all of our hangups. All of our celebrations and our triumphs in a worldly manner. God, let us leave everything behind and be willing to follow you wherever you might lead. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Yeah, let's give him a shout of praise this morning. Come on, come on. <laughs> oh, man. Jesus, yeah, Jesus will interrupt you with an opportunity. He's the absolute best. I mean, you were going along with your life, minding your own business, doing what you felt like you need to do, and then all of a sudden, bam, the king of glory is up in your business. 
interrupting you with an opportunity. But let me tell you this. Jesus does it like this, man. He will interrupt you with an opportunity that becomes eternity. Because that's just the kind of God that we serve. Man, we serve a God that wants to take what is, that's you, to make what was into what will be. Because that's what our God does. He takes the broken pieces of things that already are, molds them and shapes them and breathes life into them until there's something made brand new for the purposes of the kingdom of the living God. Man, he'll turn an interruption into an opportunity. He was teaching the crowds and they were gathering him around. They were gathering around him and kind of crowding him. But he saw an opportunity to better teach and reach the crowd. You know, Jesus thought to himself, if I was out a little bit on this water, I could actually turn this whole area into an amphitheater, much like we have here. And that way, everyone could see me and hear me, and I'd be able to better communicate the word to them. And so he interrupted his own teaching because he saw an opportunity. And so he started to look around to see what resources were available to him to be able to make his plan come to fruition. That may sound a little silly to some of you. Some of you are thinking, well, I thought this guy was God. Why is he looking around to see what he can use to make this happen? I mean, if he's really God, why doesn't he just speak it into existence? He could do that. I mean, I'm telling you, John chapter 1 says he spoke the whole universe into existence. You know, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and everything that was made was made through him, and nothing that was made was made without him. If he wanted to, he could just do it. But that, if you read the scriptures, that's just not what Jesus does. Jesus is always looking to use what's already there. At the wedding in Cana, when they ran out of wine, he didn't just, boof, just, just conjure some. No, no, no. He said, bring me the jars that are in, fill them with water. And so he used what was, he used what is there to make what was into what's going to be. You know, when he's feeding the 5,000 on the side of the hill, he didn't order delivery. He didn't make manna rain down from heaven. No, he took the fishes and loaves that were already there and used them to make what was going to be. Even when he needed to send disciples that would become apostles into all the world to preach the gospel and change everything about the world, he didn't conjure up new followers from the rocks, even though the Bible says that he could have. No, 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 no. He used a bunch of broken, messed up people that were already there to make what was what was going to be. And that's the same thing that he wants to do in your life. He doesn't want to use something brand new. He wants to take you right where you're at and then use you to do something incredible. He wants to use you to make streams flow in the desert. He wants to use you to make pathways in the wilderness. He wants to use you to heal what's broken in the world. Man, God wants to use you. He doesn't want to do it all by himself. He wants to use what's already here because that's the kind of God that he is. Man, can we just celebrate a God that uses broken things to fix everything? And so he saw two boats. Say he saw two boats. He saw two boats down at the side. And in his infinite creativity, he thought, I'm going to use one of these boats as a stage out here in the water to be able to reach and teach the people. And so he rolls right up in Peter's boat. Now, let me give you a little snapshot of where Peter's at right now. Peter's been fishing all night. This is his business, his livelihood. It's what he does to feed his family. It's what he does to make a living for himself. And he has not caught anything. So he's probably a little upset. I mean, if you know the scriptures, Peter gets a little frustrated. So he's probably a little frustrated, a little upset, you know, probably feeling kind of bad. I mean, he's a manly man, so you know, you know he wants to support his family. I mean, he's got a wife at home and a mother-in-law that he needs to take care of. I mean, we know that from the scriptures. And, and you know, he, he needs to catch these fish, and he's, he's trying to get his nets ready 
for the day of fishing that is to come tonight. And so he's sitting there trying to do what he needs to do for his day. And then all of a sudden, Jesus Christ is up in his business, invading his personal space. Did you know that the king of glory will invade your personal space and just roll right up in your business without any regard for the bubble? You know what I mean? He's got no regard at all for your personal space. And so he just rolls up in Peter's boat and is like, hey, man. Now, what happens next is really interesting. And, and it's something you need to really grab onto. He doesn't command Peter to sit the boat out so he can teach from it. The Bible says that he asks him. He asks Peter, hey, can you sit the boat out a little bit so I can teach the crowd from it? And the reason that he asks Peter if he'll do it is because he wants to give Peter, in the midst of this interruption, the opportunity to say yes or the opportunity to say no. Now, if he says no, do you think Jesus is going to strike him down in divine fury and send him to hell for eternity? No. Knowing Jesus the way that I do and like understanding his personality from my own relationship with him and from what I read in the scriptures, I feel like that after Jesus stepped into the boat and said, hey, Peter, will you, know, will you sit the boat out a little bit into the water? If Peter would have said, no, Jesus, I'm too busy fixing my nets. I've got stuff to do because my business is all messed up and I didn't catch any fish last night and I need to get it ready because I got to go catch some fish tonight. Jesus would have been like, whoa, dude, chill out. Cool. And he would have just stepped out of that boat. And he would have got in James and John's boat because he said what? He saw how many boats? Two boats. He would have just got in the other boat and said, hey, John, who's going to become his best friend anyway? Anyway, he's been saying, hey, John, would you set the boat out a little bit so I can teach from the boat? And then if John would have said, yes, I need you to see what would have happened. See, if Jesus would have got out of Peter's boat because Peter said no, then all of a sudden Peter would have ceased to be the crew and he would have become the crowd. See, every ministry has a crew and a crowd. And it's not bad to be part of the crowd. Everybody that comes begins as part of the crowd. You're supposed to. That's the way that it works. But when you join the crowd, you hear the word, you encounter the Lord, you experience the spirit, and then you're given the opportunity to follow. And when you truly follow, then you cease to be part of the crowd and you become part of the crew and ultimately that's the transition that Jesus wants us all to make from crowd to crew see the crowd receives the word the crew puts it out you understand what I'm saying the crew I mean the crowd receives the word but the crew puts it out and so if Peter says no that he ceases to be crew and he becomes crowd James and John become the crew and all of a sudden they're putting the word out but what happens if James and John say no well see we know something about Jesus that the disciples don't know at this point right so if, if, if Jesus is, is not able to get James and John to let them use his boat, if he wants to go out there and teach from the water, ain't nothing stopping him from walking out on the water and teaching the people from the water. Because the laws of buoyancy and density don't mean anything to the king of glory. Can you say amen? And he can walk out there on the water and do what he wants to do and teach what he wants to teach. And I'll guarantee you everybody would be paying attention too if he did that. Nobody would be on their phone. Nobody be messing with their coffee lid. Nobody be speaking to their neighbor and whispering about Cracker Barrel and what they're going to get when they get there as soon as this long-winded preacher hushes. If he was walking on water, everybody would be focused uh, on him. But he doesn't want to do that. Why? Why wouldn't he just make a big spectacle and say, here I am, and walk out on the water? Because then nobody's crew everybody's crowd. 
nobody's crew everybody is crowd and that's not what he wants to happen it doesn't say in Matthew 28 go and make a really good crowd to entertain out of all the nations no it says go and make disciples of all nations let me show you how discipleship works real quick you watch me you help me I help you and then I watch you. That's how discipleship works. Let, let me show you real clearly, you know, with a couple examples from the church, from the preachers that I, you know, have been called to raise up in this church. So, so Brent and, and Vince both, like they started by just coming to church and watching me preach, right? Just watching me preach. And then they, they, you know, God put a calling on their life and we connected. I found out this guy wanted to be a pastor and, and you know, was you know, definitely called to it. And so then I would let him help me. Kind of like what Kyle did today to lead the offering, to speak at the beginning of church, just the beginning of, of becoming a disciple, the beginning of walking into your calling in God's glory. And, and I would help them. I would give them a, a verse to, to preach on or, or to speak on or, or whatever. And then I, or I would let them help me, you know, to present the service. Then it transitioned over to me helping them. So, you know, I would let Brent preach on today, but I'd help him build his sermon. I'd help him craft it. You know, I'd, I'd give him the scriptures to preach. I'd, I'd go over with him. I'd help him practice, you know, what he was going to present. So now I'm helping him. And then now, last week, I just showed up and watched, right? I just showed up and watched because I don't have to do those things anymore. I just watched. Now it's time for him to go grab somebody and take them under his wing and make this whole thing happen because that's the way discipleship works. You know, some of the atheists that I engage with in the world will, will say, things like if God really wanted us to believe in him he would just make himself known he just appeared to everyone then everybody's crowd you, you get it then the whole earth is the crowd there is no crew the whole earth is just the crowd and that's not what he wants that's not how this thing works God said to make disciples I mean, God said to make disciples. God said to make disciples. I mean, he doesn't need your boat in the first place. But he wants it. He wants it. He wants you to join the crew. He wanted those men at the side of that lake to join the crew. He wants you to join the crew. He doesn't want to do everything for you. He wants to do everything through you. Maybe you're thinking of a time in your life now when Jesus interrupted you with an opportunity. Maybe you jumped in with both feet and both hands and got to work. Maybe you kept on fixing your net or doing your job or fussing at your kids or binging Netflix or watching the Super Bowl or whatever it was in your life that made you feel like that you didn't have time to be interrupted by the Lord. See, oftentimes we feel like Jesus interrupts us with a hindrance and we feel like the interruptions of Christ in our life are a hindrance to us. See, a hindrance is something that makes life harder or makes things harder and slows them down. But ultimately, what we come to realize if we stay around long enough is that every time Jesus interrupts you, it's never a hindrance. It's always a catalyst. See, a catalyst is something that makes things easier and speeds them up. And ultimately, that's what Jesus did. See, Peter thought that their business had been hindered. He thought that it had been hindered. Because, I mean, Jesus is sitting them behind. They should have already had these nets cleaned. 
They should have already had these nets put up. They should have already had these boats ready to go for fishing tomorrow. And here they are having church out on the Sea of Galilee. They thought it was hindered. But see, in reality, any time that we give over any part of our life to Jesus, man, it's never a hindrance. It's always an incredible blessing. And I want to show you that from Scripture because after the word got preached, listen, after the word got preached, Jesus said, let's go out and drop our nets down because see, once you get the Father's business taken care of, then the Father will help you take care of your business. Can you say amen? It's true. It's true. Once you get the Father's, you got to have priorities. Once you get the Father's business taken care of, now it's time to take care of your business. And so Jesus says, let's go out to the middle of the lake and drop your nets down for a catch. And Peter's like, Master, you know, there's no fish out there. But if you say to do it, then I'll do it. Let me tell you what an incredible statement that that is. You see, we don't have to be happy about obedience for obedience to work. See, I don't like everything that it says in here either. I mean, don't think just because I'm the pastor that I read all this stuff and it's like, oh yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, no, 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 I don't like most of that. I don't like, not most of it, but I don't like some of the stuff it says in here either. I don't like some of the stuff it says, but I do it because the Bible says to do it. I do it because God says to do it. And I'm telling you, when you do what God says to do, he gets results. My God gets results. It may not look like what you think it's going to look like, may not feel what you think it's going to feel like. But if you'll surrender to the power of the Holy Spirit, if you'll surrender to the grace of God, if you'll surrender to what the Lord has laid down to us, it will happen. Can you say amen? It'll happen. Man, my God gets results. Say, my God gets results. Man, he gets it done. He gets it done. And, and this is not the last time that Jesus is going to ask Peter and them to do something that doesn't make any sense. And let me tell you, if you follow God for very long, he's going to ask you to do some stuff that doesn't make any sense too. But when you do it, regardless, regardless of what the world says about it, Regardless of, of, of what you feel about it in your heart, man, if God says do it, do it. Because the blessings that will come through your obedience, even when it doesn't make sense, they mean everything. They mean everything. And you don't have to like it. Matter of fact, you're probably not going to like it a lot of the time. But that's okay. Because he's turning an interruption into an opportunity, but he turns that opportunity into an eternity. And even though you might not like it now, you've got an eternity to enjoy the blessings and the power and the grace and the love of the living God. Somebody say amen. And so they go out and they do what Jesus says to do and they drop the nets down into the sea. And can you imagine the look on Peter's face? You ever do something about halfway and then all of a sudden it goes full force and you wasn't expecting it? Because you know he thinks that he's not going to catch any fish. And, and so he, he drops his line in there. You, you ever, this happened to me, you, you ever drop your reel into the water just without even a worm on it or nothing? Just a hook, just throw it in the water, and then all of a sudden it just goes. I mean, maybe that's never happened to you, but that happened to me one time. Or maybe you're, maybe you're just fishing, but I mean, you throw your line and you're not expecting to catch anything. As soon as it hits the water, man, something grabs it and goes. I, I think Peter had to be like that. He's, he's dropping the net over the side, but he doesn't expect to catch anything. And then all of a sudden it goes from zero to a hundred in one second. And the nets are tearing and the boat's trying to sink because the blessing was so profound because of his obedience. 
Because of his willingness and because of his obedience, the power of the Lord made a miracle happen that didn't make any sense to Peter, didn't make any sense to anybody that was watching, but man, that's what my God does. He gets results. He gets it done. It doesn't matter what the world says. I don't care what the doctor said to you. My God gets it done. I don't care if your spouse told you they was never going to reconcile with you. My God gets it done. I don't care if the world says your child's never going to recover from addiction. My God gets it done. I don't care if the world is saying that you're broken. You'll never climb out of that financial pit, man. My God gets it done. I don't care what the world says about you. Just know that there is hope in Christ Jesus. Because if you can make those fish come out of that deep water and break the nets on Peter's boat, man, he can do absolutely anything. And if you'll do it for him, he'll do it for you. Can you say uh, amen? And so the nets are tearing. And, and so Peter's about to lose all the blessing that he just got from the miracle. And so he starts hollering, hey, help, help. And then James and John, his partners, come from the shore out to help him with the miracle that just happened. Did some of the crowd just become part of the crew? So all of a sudden, the ones that were left on the shore to watch the work of God happen, all of a sudden, they're out in the water making the work of God happen because the miracle was so profound that they needed more of the crowd to become part of the crew. I don't know about y'all, but I mean, we see people saved here at the Way Church every week, man. We see people baptized all the time. We see chains breaking and people being healed and the power of the Holy Spirit being revealed. I think it's time for some of y'all that have been in the crowd to come join the crew and not to watch what God's doing from the shore, but to be part of what God's doing out in the water. Can you say amen? I still think it's funny like picturing them coming to the shore because the, you know, the, the scripture says that both their boats started sinking. <laughs> I'm sure that was hilarious to watch. But man, they've been given all this, now they've been given all this worldly abundance. And so they think business is booming. What they don't realize is they're about to go out of business. Because sometimes the worldly abundance of blessing that we thought that we wanted Really, it means nothing. Or maybe the blessing wasn't even for us in the first place. See, that blessing of those fish, it's not for them. I'll tell you who it's for if we have time at the end of service. I forgot at the other one, but I'll, I'll tell you all at the end of service if we have time who that blessing was for. It wasn't for them. It wasn't for them. Because they get to the, you know, they're headed towards the shore and it says Peter just gets down at Jesus' knees and he's just like, get away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. I don't even deserve to be in your presence. And Jesus just says to him, don't be afraid. From now on, you're going to fish for people. Or the more famous verse out of Matthew 4 says what? It says, come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. In other words, I'm not going to leave y'all in the crowd on the shore anymore. From now on, y'all are going to come and be part of the crew with me. From now on, you guys are going to be part of the work of the kingdom of God that makes all this happen. So don't worry about what's going on here. Set your eyes on things eternal because we're about to do something together that the world's not expecting and the world can't even understand. But you get to be part of it because you've decided to follow me and leave the crowd and become part of the crew. You see, Jesus likes to take what is to use it to make what was into what he wants to be. In other words, he wants to use you 
to do something incredible in the world. And what you thought was an interruption in your life was actually a calling on your life. See, they thought that Peter, Peter thought that Jesus wanted to borrow his boat for a few minutes when actually this encounter changed the course of his entire life. Once we decide to give Jesus something, I'm just going to warn y'all about my Savior. He's not real good about giving it back. Once you surrender it to him, he holds on to it and he keeps it and he uses it and mighty miracles happen because of it and sometimes we're like hey Jesus can I have my life back and he's like no <laughs> no you don't want this life back man I can do with it things that you can't even imagine so today he wants that for you and maybe you've never served the kingdom of God ever before in your life Maybe you've always thought you were too broken or too busy to serve the kingdom of God. Maybe every time he's tried to interrupt your life, you have been too busy to answer the call and to let him in. Well, consider this your new interruption. Your life has been interrupted today, today at the Way Church at almost noon or almost one or whatever it is. Interrupted. Or maybe you do serve the kingdom of God. Maybe you serve in the church Maybe you pray and, and read your Bible and minister to people. Maybe you've got your own active ministry, and that's great, and you're going along fine. But once again, consider this your interruption. It's time for you to take the boat out to the deep water and let your net down. It's time for you to go out of your comfort zone. Yeah, I'm talking to you, whoever you are right now. It's time for you to go out of your comfort zone and do something for the Lord that doesn't even make any sense because when you're willing to do that, man, God's gonna answer and he's gonna answer in a big way and give you a catch the likes that you could have never, ever imagined. If you'll follow him, he'll take you from crowd to crew. He'll use you to make what was into what he wants to be. In other words, he'll, he'll make you, he'll use you to make what was temporary eternal. He'll use you to make what was blind to see. He'll use you to make what was deaf to hear. He'll use you to make what was lame to leap for joy. He'll use you to bring what was dead to life forever. He'll use you because I know if he can use me, then he can use you. And he uses me. Oh, God, how he uses me. And I don't deserve it. And I'm a broken, messed up vessel. And he uses me anyway. And he wants to use each and every one of you to do the same thing. What he wants to know today is can he use your boat? And by that, I mean, can he use your life? I mean, can he use your hands and use your feet and use your voice and use your resources and your home and your hurts and your healings and your miracles and your testimonies and everything about your life? Because if you'll just let him use it, then he'll do something glorious with it. And maybe you're saying, man, he can't use me. I'm too broken and too messed up. <laughs> he used Peter and Peter cusses and cuts people. <laughs> what, you don't believe me? I'm just saying, in the book of John, in chapter 18, the Bible says this in verse 10. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. And the servant's name was Malchus. 
if you're able to take out a sword and clip somebody's ear off, didn't get him in the head, didn't get him in the shoulder, took his ear off like he was Inigo Montoya. I'm Simon Peter. You tried to arrest my savior. I cut off your ear. Nah, never mind. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> never mind. Never mind. My point is this. I can bring it back in, man. That's my fault. It's my fault. See, like I said, he uses me. Yeah, focus, focus, focus. If you're able to take out your sword and just whoop somebody's ear off, it ain't the first time you've cut somebody. I'm just saying. And not only does he cut people, he cusses too. If you look in the book of Matthew, I've got, I've got scripture, book, chapter, and verse, baby. Come on. In Matthew 26, 74, it says, then he began to, the same guy, Peter, then he began to curse and swear, saying, I don't know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. Look, I'm just saying, if that's the first thing you do when you get stressed out is fall back into that, it's not the first time you've done it. And I mean, the old adage just say that people curse like a sailor, right? Which is what he is. And this is after he met Jesus. Can you imagine what he was like before he met Jesus? And yet God used him. Now this was, this, these things happened after he met Jesus, but before he fully surrendered to Jesus. See, before he fully surrendered Jesus, to Jesus, Jesus could use his boat. And if Jesus can just use your boat, then he can do incredible things. I mean, he can reach the people on the shore. If he can just use your boat, I mean, you can still be in the midst of cussing and cutting people and whatever you do. If he can just use your boat, he can do something incredible. But after Peter surrendered, after he gave up that old stuff and he doesn't do that anymore, after he surrendered to Jesus, after he surrendered to the power of the Holy Spirit, man, this old messed up sailor, this old messed up fisherman that, that had a sword on his hip and bad words in his mouth. This guy that used to pack that stuff around as a badge of honor. Now, all of a sudden, after he surrenders everything to Jesus, after he's not just loaning Jesus' boat, after he's surrendering Jesus' life, now he can preach on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 people give their life to the Lord. Now he can lead the early church. Now he can walk by and just his shadow falling on people can heal them. Now he can, he can bring the gospel to the Gentile people. In case you don't know, that's me and you and everybody in this room except maybe the Beckleys. I think they've got some Jew in them, but besides that. Besides them, everybody at YouTube, buddy. Besides that, everybody in here owes everything that they have into the Lord from the obedience and the willingness of Simon Peter to bring the gospel to the Gentiles in Acts chapter 10, even though he didn't want to. He did it anyway. His life was interrupted in that moment too. In the book of Acts in chapter 10, he's trying to take a nap. He was. And all of a sudden, the Lord came to him in a dream and let those sheets down and said, go and kill and eat. And he was like, oh, no, Lord, I would never do that. I don't ever break the Jewish law. We already know that he cusses and cuts people. But now he's not going to break the Jewish law by eating any pork, right? He's not going to eat no bacon. 
And then the Lord says, don't make unclean what I've made clean. But what he was really saying is the Gentile people need Jesus too. And so Peter did something that he would have never considered doing. He went to Cornelius, this old Gentile guy's house, and knocked on the door. And he went in there and he preached the gospel to those men. And while he was still speaking, do you hear me? While he was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell on the Gentiles for the very first time in the history of all existence. The Holy Spirit fell on the Gentiles and those men were saved. And then after they gave their lives to Christ and surrendered to him, he took them and baptized them. They're the first Gentiles that were ever baptized. He, he, he took all that was made to happen just because Jesus walked up and said, hey man, can I use your boat? Interrupted him with an opportunity that led to your eternity. And now, let me just ask you this today. Man, can God use your boat? Can God use your boat? And, and when I say your boat, I mean can God use your life? Can God use your life, man? Can he use your experiences? Can you use your hands, your feet, your voice? Can he use your home and your resources and, and every experience that you've ever had in your life? Can he use your hurts and your healings and your freedom and even your bondage? Because like the song said we sang at the beginning, you know what the enemy meant for evil? God's going to use it for good. Romans 8, 28 says that my God uses all things for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose now, I just want you to know today that that interruption in your life may just be a calling on your life but maybe you've been too busy to answer it maybe you've been too busy just going along your way maybe you've been too busy sitting in your boat going no Jesus I don't have time to do what you're calling me to do I'm too busy getting my nets ready to catch some other world tomorrow but what I need you to understand is that what you need is not out there in the waters of the world. The only thing you need is the one that's asking you if he can use your boat. I mean, he's the only thing that you need in your life. But before he can use your boat, before he'll ask you if he can use your boat, he's got to get in your boat. He's got to get in your boat. And you may be thinking, man, how do I let Jesus in my boat? How do I let Jesus in my life? Man, through the gospel. The simple gospel of Jesus Christ that says this, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of that sin in our life, if we die in our sin, what we get for that is death and eternal separation from God in a place called hell. But the gift of God, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the gift. Just, just let him in your bone. Just his, his presence in your life. That's all you needed. Peter didn't need them fish. He didn't need the boat. Didn't need the net, didn't need none of that stuff. Just needed the, the man that was God that was standing before him. And that's all you need today. You, you may be thinking, well, I need physical healing. I need emotional healing. I need financial help. 
I need, you know, to be freed from addiction. I, I need my marriage reconciled. I, I need my kids to, to come back home and stop acting crazy. I, I need all these things fixed in my life. No, man, what you need is Jesus. What you need is Jesus. What you need is the one that's standing there just asking to come into your life. And then when you get him in your life where he belongs, man, everything else begins to take care of itself. It may not look like what you think. It may not feel like what you think. It may get a whole lot worse than what you thought it was going to get. But my God brings results. My God brings results. If he did it for me, man, he'll do it for you. When I got him where he needed to be in my life, everything else fell into place. It took years. It took years. But I think about where I could be right now. Dead, in prison. If you don't know me, just know that that's a very good possibility. And yet here I am. Because I let him walk into my, my life. And then when he asked me to use my life, I said, yes, Lord. And I never imagined doing any of this. This was not part of my plan. He interrupted my plan. And I thought that I was just going to loan him my life for like an hour every week to do sports ministry, to teach toddlers on a Sunday. I thought I was going to loan him an hour out of my life every week. Like I said, once you give it to him, he's not real good about giving it back. I don't want it back. I want him to have it all. If I had more to give, I'd give him that too. I don't just want to give him my boat, man. I want to give him my house. I want to give him my shoes on my feet, man. I want to give him my life. I want to give him everything that I am. But it begins with this. Just letting him in. Just saying to Jesus, Lord, I just want you in the boat with me. Because, man, when he's in the boat with you, it doesn't matter how stormy the seas get. Because like the song said, the, the, the wind and waves, they still know his name. Your depression still knows his name. Your addiction still knows his name. Your, your physical affliction still knows his name. Everything you're going through in your life still knows his name. Man. And when he's in the boat with you going through life, you can sail through any sea. You can sail through any, any situation in your life. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He'll never abandon you. He'll be right there with you. Won't he, Whitney? Amen. He showed his great love for us that while we were still sinners, he died for us. When you were at your worst, at your worst, he died for you. And this is how you get there. Romans 10, 13 says that all that call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Not a few, not some, not the elect. All. Romans 10 and 9 says that if you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ was risen from the grave by the power of the Holy Spirit and you confess with your mouth that he is the Lord of your life that you will be saved. Not me, Scripture. If that's you today, man, seize this opportunity. Because I'll guarantee you when Kobe and little Gianna, her name was Gianna, right? I guarantee you when they were on that helicopter, they didn't care about how many ones and zeros were in their bank account. They didn't care about how many Bentleys they had in their garage. 
They didn't care about how many NBA championship trophies were on the shelf. All that that father and daughter cared about was the fact that they knew Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and that's what they were holding on to. Each other and the Lord Jesus Christ. Because I've done a lot in this life. I've been to the top of the mountains, and I've been in the deepest gutter you can imagine. And this is what I have realized. There's only two things that matter in life. Your relationship with God and your relationship with the people that you care about. That's it. Nothing else matters. Today, let's get that relationship with God right. If you've never made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ, this is your moment. Or if you maybe were saved when you were a kid or you thought that you knew the Lord and and you walked right back out there into outer darkness and started doing all that garbage again, maybe you just need to seize this moment to rededicate your life to the Lord. Either way, this is your time. This is your time. Because you may not be on a helicopter, but man, cars are more dangerous than helicopters ever thought about being. And every one of you is going to get in one of those. I'm just saying, seize this moment. Because the Bible says it's like a vapor. With every head bowed and every eye closed, man, if you need Jesus today, man, you just cry out to the Lord. There's no magic formula. But if you don't know just what to say to Him, just, just pray something like this. Just say, Lord Jesus. Man, my sin is killing me. Save me. Forgive me. I leave it all behind to follow you. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you lived and died for me and rose again. And today, Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you. every way and with every head bowed and every eye closed man if you made that decision today in faith to receive the grace of God if you have believed in your heart that he is the son of God if you've confessed today that he's Lord of your life man would you just lift your hand up real high so just me and Pastor Brent can see just lift your hand up real high so that we can see today so we can celebrate with you so that we can lead you into discipleship and see things happen thank you Thank you, God, for what you're doing all over this room in people's lives. Thank you, God, for this hand here and for the power of your love made real in the lives of men and women in this church. Thank you, Jesus. Man, let's give God praise for the gospel of Jesus Christ today, can we? Would you guys stand with me for just a moment? Now. We're just going to open this altar up. I mean, give me three more minutes, you know, before everybody starts, like, packing up their stuff. Let's focus. Give me three and a half minutes. I'm going to open this altar up as a place of prayer. The question is, can God use your boat? But when I say boat, what I really mean, just to be clear, is can God use your life? And we're just going to open this altar up as a place of surrender. So that if you feel led, man, you can come to the shore and leave your boats and whatever else you have behind. And then when you get up, that you'll follow him. But let me warn you. Let me put a disclaimer on this moment in the service. 
Don't come and offer your boat to the Lord if you don't mean it. Because he'll have you sailing to places that you never imagined that you would sail to. If you offer him your hands, he'll have you doing things that you never imagined you would do. If you offer him your voice, he'll have you speaking truths that you never imagined that you would speak. If you'll offer him your arms, he'll have you loving on people that you never imagined that you'd be able to love on. But if you'll offer him your feet, Man, he'll carry you to places that you never dreamed about. If you'll offer him your life, if you'll offer him your life, he will use it. He will use it. And he'll make your interruption into an opportunity for eternity. Not just for you. Not just for you for everyone that you come into contact with because that's the kind of God he is.